everyone. Natalie Dale here. If you're new, welcome. To everyone else, welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Ahead of the Curve. If you don't know yet, we're a podcast series produced by the Georgia Department of Transportation that spotlights the amazing people, places, great projects that help make our state's transportation network ahead of the curve. Today, we're going to talk about a subject many, most, all companies and industries across the nation, even the world, have been focused on recruitment and retention. And this really isn't new to GDOT since the 90s, uh, where we had a staff of about 6,500. We have reduced our staff to now we're at about 3,800 with a goal of getting to 4,000. So the workforce we used to work with in the 90s is not the workforce of today. But something has also happened in that time. In 2020, a little thing called COVID, you may have heard of it, effectively shut down countries around the world. And businesses had to quickly figure out how to operate effectively in an environment where everyone was at home. And how do you do that when you have to fill a pothole? Because you can't tell a work a pothole. State government, including us at GDOT, we weren't immune to this. But we still had essential personnel on our job sites ensuring that projects were still being completed on time. Most employees and companies realized that they could work remotely from anywhere as long as they had the internet. So aren't we thankful for the internet? This brought a new phenomenon we lovingly refer to as the Great Resignation, which caused companies, both public and private, to shift gears, realign priorities, and really focus on recruitment and retention. We've got a great panel today that we're going to talk about how this all has affected GDOT, whether that was the COVID era or what GDOT has been seeing since the 90s in getting and keeping great staff. They're going to share their ways that they tap top talent, get them in the door, keep them here. There are people who have been here for decades, and there are new employees that all have a great view of how they came to GDOT and why they're still here and why they're going to stay. So we are so excited to dive into recruitment and retention at GDOT. So stay with us. We'll be right back. It's summer in Georgia, and you know what that means. It's hot. In May each year, we recognize National Heat Awareness Day, but it's something that should be thought about during all of the hot weather months. The day was specially founded by OSHA and the National Weather Service as a reminder that many outdoor workers or laborers are at risk of serious heat-induced conditions like heat exhaustion, dehydration, heat stroke, and even death. Georgia DOT has employees that work through the heat of the summer so our transportation infrastructure is safe and reliable for all. Help protect yourself or someone you know who works outside. Drink plenty of water. Know the symptoms of heat stroke and remind others of the dangers of heat. Welcome back. I'm joined in our studio today by three wonderful people who work every day to attract and retain incredible talent. And we have seen some amazing people come in the door here at GDOT. Joining us is Deputy HR Director Brian Robinson, State Talent Development Manager Kyle Moat, 
and recruitment supervisor, Nicole Glenn. Brian, Kyle, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. This is great. So before we really get into the meat of this, I like to do a section where I figure out what you did to end up at this table with me. Uh, in your life, where'd you go to school? What did you major in? How did you get to GDOT? How long have you been here since we're talking about retention and recruitment? Um, so Brian, since you're since you're the head man at the table, tell us tell us where you came from. Tell us how you got here. Uh, thank you, Natalie, and thank you for having me. Um, so I grew up in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, went to college at a small school in North Georgia called Barry College. Uh, then ended up in grad school at University of Georgia. So shortly after graduation, I found myself uh, looking for work. Ended up as a temporary employee in our intermodal office here at GDOT. So spent about nine months working uh, in our transit section before ultimately transferring up to a full-time recruiter position in HR and have been with GDOT now for about 17 years. So is this is this your degree? Is this sort of something you saw yourself doing or just getting in, in to the door in your role with intermodal? Was it something that you sort of saw your passion for after you got to GDOT? Well, I mean, as a little kid, I didn't envision growing up to be a HR you didn't go to career day no, with your HR, no. G.HR HR jacket on? No, but uh, in grad school, I ended up uh, getting a master's in public administration. And you know, through some of those courses, ended up focusing on human resource administration. Um, and then coming in as a recruiter, it gave me a really great chance uh, to see a lot about the department, meet a lot of great people. So it really kind of inspired me to continue working and uh, pursuing different opportunities within HR. So it was really... Uh, not something I, I really planned on doing, but really found I enjoyed it once I got here. Um, and, and obviously the people that you work with make a huge difference there. So i here for 17 years. So, Kyle, who are you and how did you get here? Um, let's see. I am from Mableton. So uh, from there, um, I went to uh, Columbus State for my first uh, year, came home and I went to finish up at Kennesaw State with a degree in theater. Uh, so that easily transitions to transportation. Um, so coming out of college, uh, I needed a job. Um, my dad was aware of some job openings at GDOT. I put in, uh, I got hired in transportation planning. So I did transportation planning for almost 10 years here in the department. Uh, decided I wanted to make a change. Uh, applied for the head recruitment position because uh, I like to be out. I like to talk to people. I like to be out front. Um, luckily enough, uh, I was uh, able to get that position um, and worked in recruitment for a couple of years and then uh, transitioned over to uh, the state talent development office now. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a fun journey. I, I've got to learn a lot about transportation. Um, I've really appreciated that and it's given me a new appreciation for everything that we do within uh, the department. Um, so being able to continue and learn, uh, been here now. All, this is almost my 16th and a half birthday within the department uh, coming up next month. Happy birthday-ish. But yeah. you, and you bring up a great point. I want to get to Nicole, but since this whole episode is about recruitment and retention, if you're listening, you don't have to have an a civil engineering degree. You don't have right. to be an engineer. You don't have to be anything. I, I hope people don't go to the site or not go to the site rather, because they don't think that they fit in transportation. There are so, the diverse backgrounds that people come from to GDOT really says that there, there's a place for, for everyone with everything, even if you have a theater background. 
Yeah, that's right. And um, the the while I am thankful for all of our engineers that we have uh, within the department, they all couldn't do, a do great it without job. them. But you know, we like I tell people uh, when I would be out with Nicole recruiting, we're a business as well. So we need accountants. Uh, we need communications, right? Uh, we we need a lot of different things that doesn't just uh, focus on engineering. Uh, you talk about our right away and our. I tell everybody, I was like, you know, we we hire scuba divers, we hire archaeologists like Indiana drone Jones. flyers, drone flyers. I mean, there's so many cool things that you could do within the department um, that it makes when we're out on the road recruiting, it makes it really easy to sell and be passionate about what we do here. Nicole, who are you? How'd you get here? <laughs> Thanks, Natalie. So uh, I was actually born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, and then moved down uh, here uh, when I was uh, a little bit younger. Uh, but then I grew up in Covington. I got my bachelor's degree from Georgia State in psychology and criminal justice. And then I went to UGA for my master's degree. Um, got my master's in human resources and organizational development. I knew that I wanted to work uh, in human resources um, before I came here. Um, I worked uh, for the state uh, in education for about 10 years, and I knew then that um, I wanted to get into human resources. That's how I decided um, to focus on that. How much does that psychology degree help when you're meeting with students on college campuses? I would say a fair amount. It helps you learn how to work you know, with people and communicate a little bit better. Well, we'll get to that later. Brian, let's start with sort of the nuts and bolts of the department. Talk about how many people we have, how long they've been here, um, the, the interesting HR facts. Bring the fun HR facts. Okay, wow. Um, so many. Where where to start? Um, you know, Natalie, you brought up a really good point in the introduction, and, and that is that um, you know, over time our headcount has looked wildly different than it used to. So right now we're a little over 3,800 full-time employees, which – you know, kudos to uh, not only Nicole and her recruitment team, but our analyst team, as well as our district HR staff. We've actually been able to increase our headcount by about 300 full-time employees over the last year, which is a huge, huge thing because for years and years and years, state government has seen a, a pretty drastic decline in their numbers. So kudos to GDOT for um, not only working to keep the people we do have to reduce the amount of turnover, but also looking for creative ways to bring new people into the department. So as you mentioned, our goal is to get back to around uh, 4,000 employees. We feel like that's kind of where we work best as an agency. Um, and kind of looking at who we have here with us, I think y'all did a great job in kind of summing up all the different parts uh, that make up the department. But one of the interesting things I was kind of looking at at our workforce, we have employees who were born as recently as 2005 working here and we have 10 employees who were born in the 1940s and that's a pretty wide range of people to be working in the same organization not a lot of organizations can say they have that many uh, generations and that diversity of employees working for them so um, that that takes a lot of work to manage something that diverse and that large so um, and also consider when you talk about diversity, let's talk about diversity of, of the state that, sure. that we have, while we have a general office, that we're divided into seven districts. And so there is, you know, we have Savannah, we have North Georgia, we have 
employees from all over the state working all over the state. So we don't have just sort of one main headquarters. So there, the diversity is is age, the diversity is everything, really. That's right. That's right. And I think that diversity is what makes us such a great organization. So, um, you know, every year we, we lose about 600 employees every year. So if you think about trying to raise your headcount back up, we have to replace 600 people just to break even. Um, so that's a lot of work on, on our recruiters, on our analysts, on our district HR staff, on our hiring managers. And we've done a lot of work to try to streamline some of those processes to bring people on. Um, I think one of the really interesting things that has happened, you mentioned the, the great resignation in your intro. Um, like I said, for years, state government had been seeing a decline. Um, and great resignation really kind of gets at a concept that came up during the pandemic and, and really kind of focused on why people were choosing to leave the workplace voluntarily. Um, in state government, we had seen that um, even in years prior too, and a lot of that is is based on the way our retirement system works. We have people who age out naturally once they have 30 years of service, kind of regardless of age, and that doesn't happen in the private sector kind of like it does in state government. So when, when we look back, I, I kind of pulled some numbers 10, 15 years ago, back around 09, 18% of our workforce had 10 or less years of state experience. Right now, that number is 60% of our workforce has 10 or less years of experience. So when we talk about that high turnover rate, that's what it looks like. So not only do we have fewer employees, but they also have a lot less experience and a lot less tenure. So, you know, I know Kyle will speak to a lot of the, the training and development opportunities that we have to try to make sure that people are successful, not only in their current jobs, but also helping to prepare people to take on jobs, um, you know, moving forward because they're getting there much earlier in their career than they used to have to. Yeah. I think uh, to that point though, Brian, that is also allowing the department to promote sooner than we have ever have. You know, I think you look at, some of those area manager positions that we have that are that are vital to our success that help with the construction and the maintenance in each of our districts and are uh, in, divided into areas, you'd be a 15-year employee before you get that job, sometimes a 20-year, uh, tenured employee. Now it's under five years. We're bringing in some of those people, and they're doing a great job, but the knowledge retention, um, thinking about um, having to train and, and, and continuously try to retain this talent um, is really showing up in the, those numbers you just talked about, about how young the workforce is. So. And, and because of some of the things we do as a department, we talk about things, wh whether it's hero or maintenance or construction, um, some of these very hands-on jobs, it, it's not necessarily a hire straight to your, to your desk type thing when you talk about training and things like that. It's, we have to we have to get some of these people trained and certified. There's a lot that goes into before they can even effectively be really sort of launched, if you will. Yeah, and, and kind of to Kyle's point, I think, uh, you know, historically we, we thought of people as coming to state government and working for 30 years, and, and that's not the case anymore. I think when we look at, you know, even just around this table, there's, there's a high likelihood that that very few people at this department will work for 30 years for state government. So you have to kind of look at it kind of on a very accelerated time frame. But you're right, Natalie. I mean, when you talk about, you know, working towards your PE or working towards a CDL license, those things take years and they take time. So 
um, it, it really has accelerated a lot of the different types of uh, development that we have to do for our employees to get them ready very quickly. I would like to say on those the CDLs, you know, those are uh, things that we've seen out in the field that we have brought in-house, where we've got CDL training in-house, CDL scheduling in-house. Um, you know, we help assist with uh, PE training and FE slash EIT training. Um, but to your to your point about how long it takes us, I mean, Nicole could probably speak we're in high schools recruiting now, right? We are, yeah. So we go to high schools. Um, we have pipeline recruiting for PC12, but we do spend a lot of time in high schools um, showing off the different areas the department has to offer, not just engineering. So, for instance, last week we were at a career fair out in um, Newton County where we brought out several different offices. We had 13 SMEs from the department come out, and they showed a very wide variety of what the department has to offer. So we showed off the HERO unit. We showed off the Office of Environmental Services. Uh, mechanics, um, OMAP, so on and so forth, to show that there are a lot of options when you think about the department to come and consider. And I know, and y'all will have to correct me because this is your field, but the conversation that college for a while was just something, every, where, where are you going to college? But now younger generations are being more creative. They're being, um, they're, they're looking more into different interests, whether they're trades or hands-on. Uh, does that play into sort of that high school, younger approach because um, college isn't for everyone. Um, you don't have to go to college to do a lot of things. And especially when we look at trade trade um, careers, that it's it's smarter to, to approach it a different way. And, and this is something that really hasn't been thought of or approached in a while. So is that a mentality that you see? Absolutely, yes. So we're learning that we're becoming educators, right? You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to know that you're interested in this and then we'll take it from there, right? We uh, pride ourselves on our training office and the options that they offer. Um, and so that we give you all the tools you need to have a very long, um, successful career here. I think, you know, to that point, Natalie, not everyone wants to come in and work inside an office either. And I know uh, when we're out in the field recruiting and things like that, you get, do you want to go and work outside? Do you want to work outside with your hands? Do you want to drive big trucks? I remember uh, being at a recruitment event and getting asked um, by a student, uh, well, what kind of trucks do y'all drive? Big ones. We had a former intern in the, in, the, uh, in the class, and he turned around and goes, they got brand new F-150s. It was a great selling point. You had the, you had the intern um, that was there. Just I didn't have to say anything. He showed up in his GDOT hat that he had gotten from his internship. And he's helping sell us to to his classmates. So, um, so perks, perks of being a state employee, new F one fifties, definite perk. Um, getting to do things outside, getting to do things with your hands, Brian. It, it has to be a well, everyone. It has to be a challenge for your job. Sort of batting up against private sector, especially when we have a lot of contractors who are amazing and help us, uh, but they can. It, Let's be honest, they can financially bring things to the table that we can't. Um, so perks of being a state employee, uh, maybe little known, lesser known states of being a state employee. Yeah. I've been here for 17, I've been with the state for 17 years. So I know the perks. Tell us the perks. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Natalie, to your point, we actually have a lot of employees who come and work here. They build relationships with some of our consultants and contractors, and, and maybe they choose to leave and go work in that, that field for a while. And you would be surprised at the number of people who choose to come back and work here. Uh, when you start talking about things like work-life balance, 
Um, yeah, certainly, you know, private sector is going to pay a little bit higher, and, and we're never going to compete dollar for dollar with, with private sector, nor should we try to necessarily. But when you start looking at your, your you know, per hour, what you make there, you might be working 20, 30% more hours to make that extra 20 to 30% more. And for some people, that's perfectly fine. But for for others, they like that work-life balance. I think another thing that people find really interesting, especially when you get into the sort of professional jobs, the engineering jobs, et cetera, uh, yeah, you can do tasks as a consultant. But when you work for the department, you're really setting direction and policy and really having a big impact on your community. And and not a lot of other places can say they have that type of um, you know, ability to impact things at that level. And honestly, I think people come here and they find that it's just a really great place to work. They enjoy their coworkers. It's a really engaging place to work. Very rarely are, are two days the same. So, you know, obviously you've got some of the, the traditional benefits around, um, you know, insurance plans and, and all of that sort of thing. But I, I do want to point out that um, we also have, have worked over the years to change the way our retirement system works. So we did recognize that people weren't going to stay for 30 years. So there is now a component where you can invest in a 401k type program. So um, that way, if you do choose to leave the department and come back, you you do have some some money built up. So um, I think some of those perks are really um, not necessarily obvious. It's hard when you're talking to a a 19, 21-year-old kid who's about to graduate college. They're looking at how much money they're going to make. But I think if we can really talk about kind of the total amount of benefits you get from working here, I think it really helps us. And, and one last thing before, you know, Kyle talked about one of those interns going back out and kind of helping to be, quote unquote, a recruiter for the department. I think that's really cool. And that's really telling that people who come here want to go back and spread that word of mouth about the really cool experiences they had and really the cool work that they did here. So that word of mouth really helps to kind of spread that. So uh, Kyle, Nicole, I don't know if you have anything else you want to kind of throw in there from, yeah. from your experience as well. Thanks. That's an interesting question. We always get the private versus public sector question, right? Um, I think the one of the biggest selling points that we have within the department is uh, we are not based on billable hours. You have to have work to bill to. So uh, in that, there's not a lot of paid training opportunities um, there are not a lot of uh, being able to attend an annual um, an annual meeting or attend an awards, you know, I think things like that. We also get 13 now holidays. You know, this this private sector and public sector isn't always about money. It's exactly what Brian was talking about. It's about a work life balance. Um, and then some of the times, what you what you want to uh, help some of the kids that are coming out of college, students that are coming out of college, is Everybody in transportation generally in the state, when it comes to roads and bridges, works with or for us. And so knowing how GDOT works, knowing GDOT's policies, GDOT's procedures, GDOT's preferences is going to give you a leg up if you ever do want to become a consultant. Yeah, so there are a ton of perks. We're all aware of that. Um, When you're speaking to younger students, um, we talk a lot about how you can be the change in the community, right? At the end of every day, we all at the department have the opportunity to close our computers and point to something in the community that we changed, right? Um, You can also talk about how 
you save lives here. You change lives here. And so, you know, if you make it home today uh, safely, it's because of something one of our engineers did. And that's a really great feeling. And that's something that you get a chance to talk about. Um, you have these opportunities for these full circle moments where, um, to Kyle and Brian's point, where we have engineers and we have our own employees going out and recruiting with us. Um, and to see them light up when they're talking to a student or talking to a candidate at the table, um, talking about what they do throughout the you know course of their day or their year and the things that they've accomplished at very early times in their career is really rewarding to watch. Um, for example, a few years ago, we were at an event and um, we brought an engineer out, a younger engineer, and he you know gave his recruitment um, presentation. He was talking to the students and he wrapped it up with a really good story. He said, you know, about two years ago, I was in your you know seat and I didn't know anything about the department. He said, one of my friends dragged me here and I had an opportunity to meet a recruiter and engineer and they told me all about the things that the department does. Um, he said, and I thought I would take an opportunity in, in a job offer that I received. He said, and if you would have told me that two years ago, I would be standing here in front of you today and that I would have an opportunity to talk about my career and all the things that I'm proud of and that in that time I would have designed bridges and improved intersections and saved lives. He said, I would have thought you were crazy. But in the two years that I've been here, I had an opportunity to do that. And now I've had a bridge that I helped build um, that in 30 years I'll be able to drive my grandkids over. And that was just a really great moment to hear, one, the pride in his voice when he was talking about it. But two, to see that he had this opportunity to do all these wonderful things and then go back and talk about it. And he was just so excited to share that. Um, so it's those full circle moments where you get a chance to just share all of the great things that we do. Um, because I, th I think that, honestly, a lot of people don't know about all the great things the department does. Um, and another thing that we get to talk about, one of those perks, is that something Kyle mentioned about the training. Here you get a chance to train on our time and our dime because we are training the future of transportation, right? Because we are the policymakers. And so you have an opportunity to come in at a very early part of your career and get all the tools that you need to hit the ground running because we invest in our employees the same way we do invest in our infrastructure. We want to make sure that you're the best and the brightest, so we give you all the opportunities that you need to do that. So, Kyle, you're the continuing education man. You're the continued education man. Yeah, in some yeah. ways, or the education man. Yeah, no, I mean, providing, providing like what Nicole was saying, providing um, our employees uh, with the tools and the trainings needed to not only do their job well, but to uh, get them to the next level is uh, very important. So everything starting from um, our, uh, our maintenance training with our boot camp, uh, where we have a two-week uh, in some cases, boot camp where you learn about how to do uh, um, certain things in a routine maintenance uh, that they do on the cruise, all the way up through our leadership trainings. Uh, so in everything in between. Uh, so it's all about being able to provide our employees with the tools that they need to, uh, to be successful at their job. Um, I think last year, just in our uh, internal employee learning management system, we had over 20,000 completions of trainings uh, with, you know, 3,700. That's like, you know, six trainings per employee that were completed just in our internal system last year. Do you think that people come into the department knowing that, that we offer this, that, that it's, yeah, I mean, it's I, part I, of I, the process? Yeah, I would, I, I would hope so. And, and then I, I also think that um, if they don't know it coming in, they're learning it as soon as they get in. And I think... Uh, that all starts uh, with onboarding. And as we get into onboarding, which is not just an HR topic anymore, we need to take some, some of that responsibility on ourselves as employees. If you are getting a new employee, if a new employee is starting, remember what it was like when you started. You know, having someone reach out to you, 
uh, maybe before you start, just tell you where to go, kind of uh, what the day experience is going to be like. And then when they start, having a plan for them to look at, um, things for them to do, and having an actual onboarding plan set for your employees is means the world when it comes to retention. Let's go back to training for one second. What is the most unique training opportunity we offer? Uh, most unique. I mean, so what's unique about our training is that um, a lot of people can request a lot of different things as it, uh, long as it um, pertains to your job and you have your office head and your division director approval. So employees can really present what they want to be as a their own opportunity. Yes, absolutely. So um, we have participated in um, Native American tribal rituals uh, with our uh, OES office, you know, um, all the way to, uh, like we were talking about, uh, CDL training or scuba diving training. You know, when, when you really talk about the bridge maintenance inspections, how they are scuba diving down there um, and, and checking the piles and the columns uh, to make sure that they're still safe to drive over. I mean, those kinds of things are, take certifications, take trainings. And that's certainly we, uh, stuff we participate in for our employees. So what are we currently, what are we currently, what jobs do we have open? What's our biggest need right now? Well, well, Natalie, you brought up a good point when we first started. We've got jobs all across the department, not just here in Atlanta where we're headquartered, but we have seven districts located um, around the state. So our biggest need right now, um, obviously Nicole and, and her team focus a lot on our civil engineering, uh, entry-level engineers coming into the department. We also focus a lot on what we call our highway maintenance technicians. They're our equipment operators, the people you see out working on the side of the road. Every day, um, and if you've ever traveled through Metro Atlanta, you're probably also familiar with our HERO program. It's another program we're looking to, to grow and expand upon. But quite honestly, when you have an organization with, with 4,000 employees, and we talked about you know 600 people leaving, there's a constant turnover in jobs. So we're always hiring for uh, you know, jobs in communications, jobs in accounting, jobs in HR. So... Um, we have multiple ways in which you can, can go out and find our career opportunities, primarily on our, our website, our Team Georgia Careers, um, where you can see in real time what is currently available and what is required to come into those jobs. But I would say um, we're, we're open-minded. We're not just looking for you know, a specific skill set in a specific location. Um, part of the work we're doing is looking at how can we expand to bring in more people into the department with diverse backgrounds. So. Um, you know, whether you're looking, you know, right out of high school to come in and work, like you guys talked about on the roads, we have jobs literally in all seven districts available as well as here in Metro Atlanta. Brian, how would you say the average GDOT employee or applicant finds us? Is it Google? Is it on the website? Is it word of mouth? Do they know someone? Um, how, what's the most common way there? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Natalie. Um, you know, it's interesting when, when we kind of talk about GDOT being a family place to work. And, and it's interesting because oftentimes people have a family member who worked at GDOT and who talked to them about what it was like to work for GDOT. So um, especially a lot in our districts, we have a lot of employees who come to work for us because they've had family members that encouraged them to come work for the department. Um, likewise, we have a lot of our engineers who have uh, great relationships with the schools that they went to. So um, I know Nicole and her team, uh, when they go out to the various career fairs, they bring a lot of subject matter experts back to school with them. So 
Um, oftentimes, it's someone that they knew. Maybe they went to school with that person. They were a little bit older than them in school, but they happen to kind of know who they were, um, is able to help kind of recruit that person. Um, and then we do find people who, who just find us through the website, through our um, you know, various uh, web presences that we do have. So it's, it's kind of all over the board. Um, you know, especially in this day and age, I think one of the things we're really trying to do, um, you know, Nicole and her team do a really great job as well as our district HR staff when they go out to community events and trying to connect with different people in the community. Um, but in 2023, you've got a lot of people looking for jobs on a cell phone. So one of the things we've been really trying to do is how do we improve how we sell and market our available openings in a really easy way to find online in a really easy format to understand what it is you would be doing. So um, there's really not a one size fit all answer to how people come to the department. Um, uh, again, they kind of come from, from a variety of areas, but I think one of the more interesting areas is, um, you know, right now we do have our internship program ramping up for the summer. Um, but also I'd like Nicole to kind of speak about maybe the SMEs and the subject matter experts who go out and speak at the different colleges with you guys and some of the new events that y'all have been trying really since the pandemic kind of allowed us to get back into school systems. Yeah, that's a great point, Brian. So um, since the pandemic, we have changed a few of the ways that we recruit. And so, like I mentioned earlier, um, for a lot of the high school events, we'll go out there and instead of just having, you know, a booth with a recruiter or, or one SME, we set up these transportation worlds where everybody's able to see the whole picture of transportation, how it comes together, right? And we'll, you know, swap the offices out um, so that everybody gets equal representation out there. Um, but then with colleges, what we changed this past semester um, was something called the campus takeover. So uh, typically throughout the year, um, each semester will attend between 20 and 25 uh, career days. Um, but just last semester, we started these campus takeovers where we go out and in a very small amount of time, usually over a week, um, we do a large variety of events on the campus so that we can engage with the students who don't normally come up to us at the career fairs. Yeah, it can be. It can be, um, pr for some people, probably overwhelming to have to come up to someone. So what, what do you do to reach out to people who, who may not just want to drop by the booth? Absolutely. And that's a really great point. So yeah, we go to them. And so with these campus takeovers, we started going into classrooms and now we partner with the faculty and the professors um, and we review their syllabuses to learn, you know, what they're learning at that time. And we go in and we do a guest lecture series uh, throughout that week through a variety of courses um, that you would not, you would not necessarily think were transportation related, right? So um, for example, we went out to um, University of Georgia earlier this semester and we were in one of the materials classes. And so um, OMAT went out there, um, and at the beginning of the course, they asked how many of you would consider this a transportation class, and nobody said yes, right? Um, so then we gave our presentation, and at the end of the class, um, about 70, 75 students raised their hand, and they agreed that this was a transportation course. So um, that's all part of the campus takeover, where we go and we find the students um, in areas outside of just the career fair setting. So we go to their classes, we'll host employer of the day, sessions, information sessions. We join the club meetings like ASCE or Guild. Um, since November, we've been the um, guest lecturer in over 24 classes. We've done nine campus takeovers. We've attended um, seven Employer of the Day events. Um, and so these are all just great ways to interact with students where you normally wouldn't have had that opportunity. Um, 
another a component of those campus takeovers is that we usually bring out flashy swag, right? Like colorful sunglasses or, you know, our bright blue water bottles. So that even if we don't have an opportunity to engage with you, you see at the end of the week a whole slew of these, you know, these items out there. And so students start asking, well, where did you get that water bottle? I see everybody with these bright yellow sunglasses. So then those students come up and talk to us and say, like, what's going on on the campus that you guys are out here all week? And so that gives us another opportunity to talk to these students. And it's a really great opportunity to have those conversations with students who did not know about the department and that we just weren't, you know, the top of their mind for whatever reason. And in in addition to that one-on-one, indeed job fairs have become sort of the new wave of recruitment because because of just what we have seen over the past three years. So when did we start sort of taking advantage of those um, indeed job fairs, Brian? Yeah, so that's something um, a little bit more recent. So within the last year or two, we've we've really started ramping up our uh, presence on Indeed. Um, you know, when you when you go out and start searching for jobs, I, I can't say that the state of Georgia website is one of the first websites that comes up when you search for job vacancies, but something like Indeed is. So we were finding that uh, this platform provided us an opportunity where we could have multiple subject matter experts lined up on a given day along with multiple HR recruiters and hiring people lined up on the same day. This provides applicants an opportunity to schedule their own interview. So it saves us a ton of time. We're not having to make dozens and dozens of phone calls just to schedule interviews. They can do it all uh, through the Indeed portal. Um, In some cases, we've been able to do upwards of 80 interviews in one day because we've got multiple sessions kind of going on at once. So, um, you know, is it right for every single job? Probably not. But when you start talking about a lot of our high volume jobs um, where we can have subject matter experts talking about opportunities in multiple areas, it really does um, just create a different avenue. Um, We obviously still need to continue to find ways to direct people there and to have people find us. Um, But it's just another tool in our toolbox when we're trying to find applicants in in this day and age and in this job market. Let's talk about internships because I think internships are a great way to uh, dip your toe in, test it, see if you like it. I know that I interned at a local mega uh, broadcasting company that is in Atlanta and it, it let me know that that wasn't what I wanted to do. So as much as it can show you that is it isn't what you want to do. We hope interning at GDOT shows you that this is a place you want to be. Talk about the internship program. Well, I think just to your point right there, that, that internship you had is a successful internship. When you figure out that it is something you want to do or even something you don't want to do, that is success. And that's what uh, Nicole will probably talk about here in a minute, but that's one of the things that uh, when we're trying to recruit interns, come here and tell us if, if you don't like it, that's fine. Like, that's what an internship is for, right, Nicole? Absolutely. Yeah, so this summer we're actually hiring um, 85 interns statewide. Um, And so we give them an opportunity to have an experiential learning experience here where they come into the offices and um, this summer they'll be rotating um, where you won't, you know, spend that full 13 weeks in one one place. Um, You'll have an opportunity to have a lot of um, experiences here and see the whole picture of transportation, right? So the district's are working together to create this rotation where they'll be going from construction to maintenance to design. Um, Some of the uh, interns will also have an opportunity to do satellite internships with other offices. You know, for instance, they'll do the construction to bridge internship. So you get to see how the whole picture comes together and then how you fit into it. 
Um, that internship program runs for about 13 weeks. And then we have a lot of interns who do end up becoming full-time employees here. Um, and so we do use that internship program as one of our biggest recruitment tools. I think when you look at our executive leadership, they'll speak to that as well. Some of them have been uh, not only interns, but also uh, the old co-op program too. I know, I know we learned in our very first podcast that Commissioner McMurray started off as an intern on a bridge project. And so, and look at him now. Um, so now we've got them. They're here. How do we keep them? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways that we could probably all talk about. But um, the one thing that I've been trying to get out, the message is, what, is, what are you as an employee doing to help retain people? Um, and that starts before they even get in the door. Recruitment is retention. Retention is recruitment. You are constantly, you should be constantly working to recruit your people to stay, which is retention. Um, so are you figuring out what they love? Are you asking your employees, what, what do you love about your job? figuring out what they love and what they like and putting them into those situations where um, they can experience those things. Are you, um, are you preparing them for success? Are you allowing them to be successful? Are you challenging them in different ways that they haven't been challenged before? When you see a high opportunity employee, are you challenging them to, to, to think their own way and allow them to, uh, to make their own decisions? Um, those kinds of things help with, uh, with retention. But at some point, the industry, not just GDOT, but everyone working, it, recruitment and retention is not just an HR job. It's not just human resources. Recruitment and retention is a job for every employee. Every employee should be recruiting um, not only your coworkers to stay here, uh, but then also if you're a supervisor uh, for your employees to stay. Um, that is on you. HR can take them so far. They, we, can, uh, we can do uh, job worth or CSGs so often, right, which is awesome. And I know Brian will talk about that. His staff uh, has been great uh, with, uh, with other executives in HR uh, to make sure that that's happening. But what, what is our responsibility as employees? Yeah, Kyle, Kyle brings up a really great point, and, and that is at the end of the day, retention is really personal. What, what's going to keep me here might be very different than what keeps Nicole or, or Natalie, what keeps you, or Kyle, what keeps you here. And the only way you're going to find that out is to engage with that employee, to talk to that employee, find out what it is, um, and then put them on a path to success for what it is that will keep them here. Um, and I think we also have to recognize, uh, just like we talked about with interns, there's times where it may not be a great fit. And, and we have to realize that's okay. And like I said, we're not – we, we can't look at retention as thinking of, we've got to keep this person here for 30 years. What's our 30-year plan with this employee? Our retention plan needs to be, what's going to keep them here maybe two or three more years than what they initially maybe thought about staying? So, um, you know, one of the things, obviously, you know, we, we talk a lot about that relationship between employees and their frontline supervisor and how that really oftentimes makes or breaks a person's experience not just at GDOT, but with any organization. But from an HR perspective, one of the things that we're doing, uh, we're in the process of getting ready to roll out uh, 30, 60, 90-day surveys for new hires. Kind of what, what made you choose to come here? And then tell us about, you know, as Kyle mentioned earlier, your whole onboarding experience. Not just your first day here, but what was that experience like of how did your team welcome you? How did your manager present a plan to, to help you kind of come in and get integrated within that team. 
Um, I think if we can kind of set people off on the right foot, that first impression, you really only get one chance to make that first impression. And if it's a bad one, believe me, we've had people leave literally within two weeks of hire because something just didn't go right, didn't connect. But if we can kind of get them going in the right path, I can't tell you how many employees I've heard from over the years where they said, yeah, you know, I, I took a job with you guys thinking I'd be here for maybe two years, kind of get some experience, move on to the private sector, and I've now been here for 25 years. I mean, I, I, you're probably the same way, right? You yeah. started as a temp. Yeah, I started as a, a temp in intermodal. I didn't necessarily see what that path looked like, and I certainly didn't plan on being there for now 17-ish years. And um, I think one of the other things, and I think, you know, I've been fortunate enough myself to have uh, multiple positions, not just within HR, but I also, you know, left HR for about a year and went out and worked in one of our districts and then and then came back. So, um, you know, and I'm not an engineer. I don't have that same type of flexibility that they may. But as Nicole pointed out earlier, you know, we've got opportunities, whether it be in bridge design, road design, traffic operations. I mean, it, we really look for people with transferable skills and we really try to make our jobs and, and we're working on, you know, revamping some of our policies and some of our practices to allow for more flexibility for people to kind of move around. And I think that's not something that everyone gets necessarily, even in the private sector. If you want to switch careers, oftentimes you have to switch companies and that's not uh, the case here. So Nicole, I think that's something y'all probably focus on when you're talking to a young engineer who may not know exactly what they want to do day one, I think kind of talking about that opportunity to possibly move around in the future is, is something that seems really appealing to a, a young student who, who's trying to find their way right now. Absolutely. And so engineer or not engineer alike, we do talk about that, that you don't have to change the department or organization to change your career or your path. Um, we do uh, work pretty hard on keeping the, you know, inner uh, department mobility um, transferring process pretty transparent so you can see all the different opportunities for you. And so when you're coming out of school or high school, um, you don't have to have it figured out like I was talking about earlier, right? You have the opportunity to come in and see how everything comes together and then specialize in something and move around to another office if that's something that you find interesting. And so I think that that's something that's great about working here and that's also something that sets us apart, that you have all of these options. Well, it's clear that y'all y'all have a great passion for your job, a great passion for people, the people who work here, and making sure that people who may not necessarily right now see themselves at the department, but have great potential to affect safety, save lives, build lasting structures that they're going to be able to show their grandkids, uh, that they find their way to us. So um, thanks for all y'all do for the department. It's, it's not always something that we get to talk about, you know, mostly we're asked about the bridges and the roads and the potholes and things like that. And so y'all put the people in place to make sure that, that we're doing the right thing at the department. So we don't want y'all to go unseen or unknown. So this is a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah, thank you, Natalie. Thanks, Natalie. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about working at Georgia DOT, which we hope you are, you can find Nicole at college career fairs and indeed fairs and things like that and then you can come train with Kyle and do all your HR stuff with Brian all that fun HR stuff um but I hope you really got to know their personalities um so if you're interested in working with us which we know at this point you are clearly um come to our website 
Um, it'll be, we'll have show notes on our on the page about our website. So join us next month as we dig into why GDOT ramps up construction over the summer when it's hot and sunny. Why we save a lot on paving projects during this time and what you can expect to see on the road as you enjoy your summer vacation. Join us next on Ahead of the Curve.